Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The views and opinions expressed by hosts, invited speakers, and callers do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the Black Talk Media Project or the Black Talk Radio Network. So we say we always say the Black Panther Party that they can do the day they want to do. We might not be back. I might be in jail. I might be anywhere. But when I leave, you remember I said with the last words on my lips, I am a revolutionary. Revolution comes with a price tag. You were slave to a flag in a country that clearly doesn't love you when they probably never have told you turn the other cheek. And they made it with a bad fucking protest in them cities. Told you go fight in the war. Vietnam, you died good riddance. That man of the house rule took you from your siblings. Turned around a pump crack right up in your city. And they just turned all your leaders to martyrs. You was off in the war, now who was guarding your daughters? It was riots in the streets, killed Malcolm and Martin. Called the National Guard up because we ride with our guard up. And now was burning your guard. It's like in the mimic on the fly. To you. Everything that they taught you was a lie to you. See, they scared of your skin and they dying to shoot. Take the American dream and then you die to pursue. One day it'll all make sense. It ain't about power, then it don't make sense. But none of that money matters when you live in madness. So one day you figure out that all you got is this. Peace, love, and the middle finger. Right on. Peace, love, and the middle finger. Right on. Peace, love, and the middle finger. Right on. Peace, love, and the middle finger. Good afternoon from behind these enemy lines known as USA Inc. Scotty Reed in for this broadcast. Today's date is July 14th, 2015. It's a Tuesday evening or afternoon, I should say. Yeah. Uh, today, lots to talk about. There's a lot to talk about always. Uh, when you live in a war zone, when you constantly have people waging war on you, there's just so many things to to discuss, and that's why we have different programming on this network to discuss, you know, different aspects of people activity as a needy fuller defines their nine. Some intersect, and so that's why we um, appreciate the work that the other hosts put in to come up with programming for you, some on a daily basis, and so just want to acknowledge that. You know, because a lot of people tend to keep saying that black people is distracted by this and distracted by that. And I think that it is being discourteous, it's being, uh, it's just minimizing people's efforts against white supremacy, you know, and it's not, you know, really analyzing it deeply and making the connections. So, I don't think everything is a distraction. Everything can, if, if the mainstream media wants to give people a, a, or give a certain topic or a certain issue a whole lot of attention, well, that's white people controlling that. There ain't nothing you can do about that. So if you're mad at anybody, you know, you should be mad at the white supremacist that's putting all this uh, BS out over his networks that 
hundreds, I would say over a hundred million people in, in, in this country rely on and look on it as a credible source of media and it's not. It's not. So but we what we should learn though is how to then take that attention, latch on to it, that a certain topic or issue, and then see how it intersects with other issues. And then we bring those up in the conversation. But if all we're doing is going to complain, but we're not behind any kind of efforts, haven't written a petition, hasn't told anyone to call their representatives, especially our, our folks in in cities that have, you know, black people and other non-white people a part of the system, like a U.S. Rep, a representative or a senator, you know, uh, down here, you know, there hasn't been a black person over this district that I live in in a, in a long time. I don't know if there's ever, it probably has never been since, you know, this county was part of the Confederacy. North Carolina wasn't, but this county, Cleveland County, Lincoln County, most certainly were part of the Confederacy. So I don't think there's ever been a, a U.S. rep. So I don't even call a guy my representative no that is the representative that got so-called elected and so you know if you're not calling your own people i know when i call him it might be some some resistance in fact i'm gonna expect some resistance when i call him and ask him where do you stand on banning these confederate flags from federal property that is funded by people of all uh, ethnicities and races or whatever classifications you want to put on them, certainly serving in the military, serve honorably, and you want to say that these racist white supremacists and slavers deserve the same honor as, as you know, the Union soldiers, especially the black Union soldiers. It's more specifically those who were liberated temporarily from slavery and given a gun to help secure freedom, his own freedom, and to liberate other black people. So that's a total disrespect in, in military terms. So anyway, if we're not calling and if we're not joining in other people's efforts, because we don't know what else they're trying to attach it to, we shouldn't be minimizing it. I mean, as long as they're doing something that's correct. If you feel like it's incorrect to pull down terrorist flags off of state capital grounds, if you feel like abolishing monuments to racist white supremacists off of public property that you help pay for, if you think that's incorrect behavior, then, you know, I just happen to disagree with you. Anyway, we know, we know that um, all of this is tied to slavery. And they got a uh, brother Corey Walker still enslaved. We will have his attorney uh, calling in here shortly. Attorney Rachel Wonkerstein. She's been on the program before to enlighten us about the wrongful conviction of Corey Walker. But now it's some shenanigans. You know, that's to be expected. Some shenanigans and they're trying to get. Um, his attorney removed from the case because of her intolerable, and that's a quote, political views, according to uh, whoever is in charge of the Pennsylvania Attorney General's office. Intolerable political views. So, I mean, how is that 
constitutional? How is that just? How is that, you know, uh, resembling anything like justice? It's it's not. So what's next? You're going to look at her religion. I don't know if Miss Wonkerstein is a Jew. I don't know. Is she a Muslim? I don't know. Is she a Christian? I don't know if she's atheist. I don't know any any of that. But I mean, if you could say her, if you could bring her political views into it, because politics for some people is a religion. It's a religion and they practice racism and white supremacy or or they're either trying to practice justice. It's the the hard part is trying to figure out what which one they're trying to do. So we'll be talking to attorney Rachel Wonkerstein here, but Hey, I want to just say right off the bat, I want to give a virtual thumbs up to the Atlanta chapter of the NAACP. I have often said that, you know, one day we might be able to uh, remove those racist white supremacists, big monuments to racist white supremacy on Mount Rushmore. Well, the Atlanta chapter of the NAACP is calling for the removal of one such monument from the Stone Mountain Park. See, that's taxpayer uh, paid for land. And these places have turned into worship centers. You know, racism, white supremacy is a religion, too. You know what I'm saying? And so these are like the true believers. These like the true believers, you know, the followers. And they take their cues for more for more sophisticated uh, white supremacists and any of these so-called refined ones well they're being forced out into the light when they defend these things in in the uh, state houses of Congress the federal houses of, of, of Congress so they're talking about sandblasting um, the faces of this white supremacist off of this mountain kudos to them we know across the border I don't think Georgia intersects with Tennessee, but I know it intersects with North Carolina. But across the border, Tennessee, that dude talking about erecting a, a what, 500 by 300 Confederate flag on the side of a mountain that possibly has been stolen from Cherokee tribes that inhabited that area, probably pushed out on the Trail of Tears by Andrew Jackson when he was president. Somehow this white supremacist confirmed now because only a white supremacist is that dedicated that he would slap a confederate flag on the side of a mountain that that large for all to see that fly over that area that traveled through there so you know then in Alabama now I have to correct myself had to correct myself let me make sure our, our phone lines are open do another check uh, yes they are as we wait for Miss Wonkerstein to call in now, earlier, um, I would say last week, possibly, yeah, last week, I know I said that we're not seeing cops. We don't need cops running around with Confederate flag emblems on their uniforms to know that they practice racism and white supremacy. We we don't have to do that. Then there's that story about the North Charleston uh, cop who got fired because he posted, I think that's our guest because of... Uh, because uh, he was wearing his Confederate flag as underwear under his uniform. And he posted it to Facebook and, and he got fired. All right. But so I had to correct myself. I was wrong when I said that there was 
no police running around with a confederate emblem on but it turns out that there are there are cops uh, who are Alabama state troopers who have the emblem of the confederacy on their patch and on their vehicles and the NAACP of Huntsville Alabama's chapter is uh, calling on the state of Alabama to remove that flag but uh, without further delay, we do. We are joined by our guest, uh, Attorney Rachel Wonkastein. Welcome back to Black Talk Radio News. Thank you very much. Really glad to be on the show. Um, glad to have you on the program to uh, give this update on Corey Walker's case. A uh, young man from all the evidence that you have shared with the public and um, introduce, I'm sure, into the course for, since you've been um, his attorney is that all evidence seems to point that um, he's been wrongfully convicted and it involves some pol police misconduct and uh, corruption. Is that true? Could you give uh, the listeners who haven't heard Corey Walker's uh, story a brief synopsis of, of his case and then we will move into the updates in, in the uh, Pennsylvania uh, well, what is this? The uh, attorney general's office trying to have you removed from the case and even subpoenaing, subpoena um, Corey Walker and Lorenzo Johnson uh, to testify. Yes. So could you give our listeners who, you know, a brief synopsis of this case? Sure. Well, first of all, I, I want to say that this case is really a product of the war on drugs. Um, that these men were targeted um, as alleged being, you know, active in the drug trade in Harrisburg back in 1995, and they're from New York, and they were uh, viewed very uh, negatively, to put it mildly, by the Harrisburg police. Um, but these men were charged and convicted of a murder, a murder they didn't commit. Um, in fact, there is no evidence uh, directly connecting them to this murder of a young man who was known as somebody who was a crackhead and a low-level drug runner in Harrisburg at the time. There's uh, no evidence, no fingerprint evidence. There's no direct eyewitness. There's certainly no statement or confession by, you know, anybody um, here. Um, absolutely nothing. Neither of them were arrested until months after this uh, shotgun murder um, happened. And what they did instead, the Dauphin County, that's uh, Harrisburg area, Pennsylvania police, and the state attorney general's office, which became involved in the case uh, sort of unusually, um, what they did is they brought into court uh, two women uh, to be witnesses to various aspects of what they said the case was about. The woman who became closest to being a witness, um, you know, sort of at the scene, was a woman who was a known crackhead, um, had been... Uh, Ms. Wonkerstein, can, can, uh, can I in interrupt you just sure, for a minute sure. and then... Please continue. I, I just wanted to let you know, and you didn't know this, so I'm not taking offense, but I think that the term crackhead is offensive because these people are victims of the American-run drug drug trade. So, uh, we, you know, we call them, you know, people with substance abuse problems, uh, turned informant or what, whatever, but okay, crackhead is kind of, it dehumanizes many victims. I stand corrected. Thank okay. you. Thank you. No but problem. please continue. 
No problem. So it basically, and as you said, these were these women were actually um, they were threatened and coerced and promised uh, things by the police. So that the one woman um, who neither men, uh, neither of the men, Corey or Lorenzo, had even met before, appeared at the time of the trial and invented totally the story that um, she had been um, in a bar where they were. Um, a few minutes before the shooting supposedly happened, um, this woman uh, was known as somebody who had cooperated with the police and bore for false evidence against people. Mm-hmm. And uh, she had totally invented the story that they uh, had an argument with the man who was the victim and who followed the three of them out of this bar and uh, around a corner and then passed them by and heard a great boom as she described it, um, which was then said by the prosecution to be the shotgun uh, murder of this young man, Taraje Williams. Um, now, they had never seen her before. Uh, this uh, When you this, say they, uh, you're talking our, about Corey Neither Corey and nor Lorenzo. Lorenzo. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was no uh, such fight in the bar. There were no witnesses to that fight in the bar. Um, they both, meaning both Corey and Lorenzo, had alibi witnesses. Uh, Lorenzo was, in fact, in New York City uh, with a number of people at the time that this shooting happened. Corey was in the bar, but he was with other friends who uh, who were available and testified that he was in the bar at the time of the shooting. Um, and, of course, there was no blood evidence, no thing about change of clothes or anything like that to um, uh, attach uh, Corey to the shotgun, close-range shotgun uh, murder, uh, which, of course, uh, you know, was very brutal and would have allowed left a lot of blood, um, as there was a lot of blood on the scene. Um, So there was no evidence there. The other other witness um, is another woman who, in fact, was initially an alibi witness for Lorenzo. She had been in one of the cars going up to New York City that night um, with Lorenzo and other friends, and uh, she was not listed as a witness uh, for the prosecution at all up until the showing up really at the time of the trial. At that time, she had already pled guilty to a robbery charge, which required a mandatory five-year prison sentence, uh, according to the state law in Pennsylvania and her record and the nature of the offense. It turns out, which was learned only recently, that the main detective on the case, a man by the name of uh, Duffin, was uh, her godbrother. In other words, she was raised in his family's home, and they considered themselves brother and sister. And he, she became the witness, a witness, against Corey and Lorenzo by saying mm-hmm. that earlier in the day before the shooting, there had been a fight over money, uh, supposedly drug money, $200, that the victim, Taraje, owed to Corey, and Corey was ridiculed by um, Taraje um, uh, for, you know, um, some when he tried to get his money back. And then supposedly the prosecution argues uh, Lorenzo uh, witnessed this and Corey 
uh, sort of steamed all day and night and then uh, had this other argument and shot um, shot uh, Lorenz, shot the victim. Now, the other thing about this is the um, Corey himself had a uh, – he was the live-in boyfriend of a young woman who was actually the daughter of the initial chief detective investigating the case. So there was – and the, this detective was very uh, – How long did he work on it, the initial detective? He worked on it for three months. Um, mm-hmm. And it and in during that period of time, he actually did a raid, uh, or a raid was done on his own daughter's uh, home. And at that point, he was sort of taken off the case, a man by the name of Curtis, and he was replaced by Duffin, who is the godbrother of the other witness. So you got all so, kind of inappropriate relationships here. Yeah, a lot of problems. Of with, yeah, conflict pressure. of interest. Um, it sounds like the. Um, the uh, number one, what they prosecution would be a star witness is is the woman who said she saw um, this happen. Um, she's been you, if I remember correctly, you said uh, basically working as an informant. So I mean, can is, is there any evidence showing uh, what you uh, talked about that uh, she had assisted in previous cases as an informant in the drug war? We don't have uh, details on that. Um, mm-hmm. In part because there are so many cases that were done by these guys that were all pled out. As you know, very few cases are actually um, tried, so you don't get a chance to see who the witness is against you when people are put under pressure and threatened with the enormous types of sentences um, that they're uh, threatened with and were threatened with. Uh, that there are a lot of cases that are pled out. Um, The other woman, uh, in fact, was a witness in a number of other cases, and she died herself under suspicious circumstances. She was apparently murdered in 2002 Mm -hmm. and left sort of wrapped in a blanket and tied up, um, which was explained to us as sort of really a statement that this was a message. Um, And, you know, the rumor was with some substance that she had been an informant against a number of other people. Um, So there's these relationships between the police officers in this case and the main witnesses. Um, Duffin himself, um, who was a godbrother, um, is involved in a number of cases in which there have been allegations that he had coerced uh, witnesses and promised witnesses uh, favors, um, and those things are being litigated still. As we is he still on the force? No, he's retired now. He's retired, but he's working as a detective, as I understand it, in Harrisburg. Mm-hmm. Um, um, here's some statistics, Miss Wonkerstein, because you know it is. You brought up a point, and um, um, new abolitionist Max Parthas, who's also a broadcaster on this network, uh, he posted those the statistics on Facebook. Uh, he said 97% of all felony. Uh, federal cases end in a plea bargain, and 94% of all state felony cases end in a plea bargain. So, yeah, they put a lot. They put the screws to you. They they do what they call stacking charges on you, put all this pressure on you, 
And um, so, you know, like you mentioned, this is part of the drug war. And you had the CEO of America, President Obama, um, commute the sentence of 46. Um, just off the top of your head, I don't know if you keep up with this sort of thing, but how many federal uh, prisoners do you think there are who have been pulled in on nonviolent or convicted of nonviolent victimless crimes? Well, if I if I remember correctly, there were something like 3,000 applicants for Obama's um, or 5,000 applicants for Obama's, you know, less than 50 uh, commutations. Um, and those were people who had already served over 10 years. So you just, you know, can do some of the figures there. It's a huge number more. I don't know the total number of, mm-hmm. of federal I believe the number of um, state prisoners is um, really quite enormous um, in terms of the tens and tens of thousands of people um, who are uh, nonviolent, um, you know, drug, you know, convicted of drug crimes um, who are in uh, in prison and for lengthy periods of time. Um, and what happened with Corey and Lorenzo is they there was pressure put on them. Uh, by the various um, drug task force that were uh, very heavily funded federally as well as state mm-hmm. at the time to become state's evidence against uh, various other people, uh, falsely, truthfully, whatever, the government didn't care, and uh, also to turn on each other and, uh, you know, involve e- the other one each uh, as being involved in uh, drug uh, drug trafficking, and they wouldn't do that, and that's why they were um, set up with these murder charges. Um, and uh, Corey wasn't arrested till for six months after this murder happened, and he was arrested by a federal uh, federal SWAT team in his home in Yonkers. Mm-hmm. Um, they even went so far as to put pressure. Um, on somebody else who they believe was engaged in uh, drug um, deals with Corey and threatened this other person with uh, life imprisonment on drug charges, which is possible federally. Under federal laws, you can get life, and I think at least one or some of the people that Obama commuted actually were um, under life sentences. And so this particular individual, to save himself, uh, gave uh, information, false information, to the uh, state and federal authorities that Corey had planned to hit on the uh, district attorney of Dawson County, which is, like, absurd. And they used that as a way to set up a federal state task force to arrest Corey in Yonkers in his own home where he had been. Um, And... Then, of course, there was absolutely nothing further about this supposed hit. Um, he was never charged with it. It never came up when he was brought back to Dauphin County, to Harrisburg. And the person who made this uh, false charge has submitted an affidavit that it was totally false. And he did that to uh, please the prosecutors and to help himself out. Um, so there's everything is a series of different, um, you know, corrupt, uh, false frame up um, mm-hmm. actions by the state against these men. So mm-hmm. just to briefly, a couple other things. So there are fingerprints that are stated to have been identified 
uh, that are was just recently released within the past year. Um, when you say release, uh, under disclosure, but there are fingerprints. There's a, a record, a statement in the in the police records that there were fingerprints that were identifiable on the scene and on this weapon. However, at the trial, they said there were no fingerprints. So the only conclusion one can draw from that is that the prints did not support either Lorenzo or Corey mm-hmm. being there. And therefore, they there were none. At the well, time wouldn't the, the prosecution trial. be? Um, wouldn't they still have to turn that evidence over to the defense attorney? Yes, they do, but they violate that at every turn. Mm-hmm. So the other thing okay. is, the main witness, uh, this woman Carla Brown, who we mentioned at the beginning, is having falsified, uh, you know, what happened right before the shooting. Mm-hmm. She was listed initially as a suspect, and she's named as a suspect in police reports that were only released again this past year. And so that's another reason, of course, that she lied. It's because she, unlike Lorenzo and, and um, Corey, neither of them were named by the people who were questioned that night by the police. Any number of people were questioned immediately after the shooting. I mean, this was, you know, before the bars closed. There were a lot of people in the bar, people on the street, and a number of people were questioned, and nobody identified Corey or Lorenzo. They identified somebody with a limp, which was neither Corey nor Lorenzo, and they identified a woman that they believed was Carla Brown, the main witness. So she was listed as a suspect, um, but that was never introduced at the trial, uh, never disclosed to the uh, defendants, and the prosecution argued uh, regarding both uh, Carla Brown and the other witness of Victoria Daubs that they had no reason to lie, um, that nobody had any reason to lie when every single witness, including the peripheral ones, had been talked to by this Detective Duffin before they testified and threatened um, with uh, various uh, drug charges or um, uh, in order in, before they testified. So you have, you know, um, you have a whole layer of the way the prosecution handled the case, which was outright misrepresenting, uh, if not lying, about the evidence to try and persuade the jury to convict them. The prosecution withheld this information uh, that is favorable evidence for the defendants. It's considered to be what's called Brady information, a due process uh, responsibility by the prosecution to disclose evidence to the defendants. They didn't do. They also withheld until just recently a pretrial interview with the main witness, Carla Brown, in which she um, disputes or has substantial differences over every element of her story. So at trial, she said that uh, Corey was walking as if he had a limp with a long black coat that he, she doesn't did never saw a shotgun, but was argued that this was um, hiding a shotgun by the prosecution. Um, In her statement, she said that Corey had a short coat and it was Lorenzo had the long coat. Um, She uh, said in in her pretrial statement that there was, um, you know, loud uh, talking, um, loud talking and uh, loud talking between she could hear an argument, but not what it was about. 
um, at the trial, she said, uh, she said, well, that she didn't hear any talking, but their hands were all moving around and, you know, making gestures. Meanwhile, of course, her testimony, not of course, but her testimony was that Corey in this bar where everyone had been uh, searched extensively uh, before they came in had somehow concealed a shotgun underneath a long coat, which nobody saw him wear, a long coat, and had this argument with uh, Taraje, the man who died, uh, moving and flailing his arms around, but nobody ever saw the shotgun, et cetera, et cetera. Right, so, right. Um, Lot, lots of uh, inconsistencies, but we do need to take a station identification break. And uh, when we come back on the other side, Attorney Wonka Steen, if you would, uh, what is, why are they targeting your political views? What is so wrong with your political views that the Pennsylvania uh, Attorney General's office thinks that it can have you removed from the case based on those views? I mean, don't you have constitutional rights to have? political views and, and so yes i do i'm happy to share that with you yeah. after the break all right well thank you uh you're tuned in to black talk radio news broadcasting every monday tuesday we will be on tomorrow wednesday uh but after that we won't be on wednesdays anymore that'll be the midweek break but uh, of course thursdays and fridays four o'clock p.m coming up here at six o'clock will be tando radio show uh, make sure you stay tuned to uh, discuss issues of preparedness, preparedness for disasters, natural, man-made, and uh, all the things that you need to have, the basics to survive um, such things. We'll be back on the other side. Living in the hood that ain't getting what they should. We won't forget about the hood. We the lost and forgotten, called rotten, so we tossed to the bottom. Let them tell it we the source of the problem. They call us gang bangers and illegal gang slingers of that evil. Like we the main danger to the people. So our issues don't get the same anger or treated equal. If you not one of them change raisers, they don't see you. So the hood every week is ignored before these politicians speak to the poor. They reach for the door now, voter ID is the norm. Police brutality is not reform. Poverty's even more Tens of thousands of human beings They still deport and made it a felony If you come back and get caught We need to stop caring for size like it's a sport But for yourself and your own hood Time is short for doing nothing ain't an option Do something, get it popping Real action over talking The whole world is watching So when you vote, don't forget about the hood Get out and vote for the annual Liberated Minds Black Homeschool and Education Expo Kicks off on July 17th through the 19th In Atlanta, Georgia the Liberated Minds Black Homeschool and Education Expo was established in 2012 by Rooster Fruits and the Liberated Minds Black Homeschool and Education Association for the strong purpose of providing quality culturally based resources, educational training, and support to black African homeschooling, non-homeschooling parents, and educators alike. This work is to assist in the cultivation of excellence and empowerment of our black children. 
The Expo also provides a thriving outlet and platform for small black independent businesses that specialize in retailing and or creating culturally conscious products and or services for the development of our youth. For more information on the Liberated Minds Black Homeschool and Education Expo that will be occurring during the weekend of July 17th through the 19th in Atlanta, go to liberatedmindsexpo.com. Welcome back to Black Talk Radio News. Our guest today is Attorney Wolkestein. If you have any uh, questions, any comments, of course, y'all can hit us up. 704-951-5030. There is the conference line that uh, people listen on. You can also comment from there. That's 530-881-1400. The participant code is 549-032-POUND. Of course, you hit star six and the number one. Um, there's the web-based flash phone if you live outside of the United States. So there will be a toll-free call as long as you have headsets and an internet connection, obviously. All right. So uh, we want we were discussing uh, some of the details of the case of the wrongfully uh, convicted victim Corey Walker of America's Drug War. Um, he was a victim of the Clinton administration when they was teaming up with the Republicans to pass all, all of these harsh laws and demonizing. Now, you know, today they admit that, you know, we put too many people in prison. And so, um, you know, th- this is all, all related. So, Attorney, uh, Walker Sting, what, what's up with this, um, accusation about your intolerable political views you know what's going on there and can the pennsylvania attorney general's office even use that to try to have you disbarred and is there a possibility that could happen i mean not disbarred but have you removed from as uh, Corey's um attorney well i would hope not um but i pennsylvania is a strange place in particular and um my they're going after me uh in order to stop the fight for Corey's freedom. They're going after me, I think, historically, because I've represented Mumia Abu-Jamal in many different capacities since 1987. And I was the attorney for him, or one of the attorneys for him, during the uh, 1995 through 1999 post-conviction hearings that uncovered a lot of the evidence of exactly state corruption, uh, prosecutorial misconduct, um, and um, and what the police did to convict and sentence to death an innocent man. Um, and basically my policies in terms of working in the courts has been to been be an aggressive defender of the rights of my clients and to fight for their freedom um, as wanted. And they do not like this. The prosecutors do not like this. And taking this to Corey's case is that the uh, legal arguments that we have made puts front and center the responsibility for this conviction of an innocent man, Corey and uh, Lorenzo Johnson, on the prosecution. Um, There was ineffective assistance of counsel that was pretty gross, uh, to put it mildly, but before the counsel came in there you have a prosecution you have a police uh police that framed up innocent men in various ways uh went through a number of them and you have a prosecution that accepted that and expanded on it and then misrepresented the case to the jury 
And throughout this entire process, the prosecution has had, of course, I say of course because how the system works, has had no interest in taking a look at what happened in this in this case and investigating it or trying to uh, unravel or correct any of the injustices that happened here. And the reason why the prosecution has targeted me as Corey's lawyer is because I have made also the point in my own personal but public political views that I believe that the criminal justice system in this country is fundamentally corrupt, it is class biased, it is racially uh, driven, and that it is, um, as a general rule, not possible that justice in the capitalist courts. Um, at the same time, I have uh, engaged in the court struggle. I have filed amicus curiae briefs in the United States Supreme Court on questions of criminal justice, on uh, First Amendment rights, separation of church and state. So I have spent a lot of my time fighting through legal battles at the same time, recognizing that the courts will respond not only to arguments of you know, legal justice and the Bill of Rights, but the uh, pressure that comes to bear on, uh, on the courts from social movements, from social protests, and that it is not possible to really fight for somebody in the courtroom without the support of uh, hopefully a mass movement or a protest that indicate the justice of your cause and uh, opposition to the way this criminal justice system works which is an injustice system, not a justice system. And you called it a, a capitalist courts. And, you know, um, capitalism denotes that its purpose is to make make money. Um, these are corporations. These courts are extensions of, of corporations, you know, local municipalities, cities, whatever, you know, counties. They are incorporated. That makes them corporations just like the United States of America, which I call USA Inc., but in terms of the capitalistic court in the way that people are making a living off of what people are calling mass incarceration, I and others who call themselves new abolitionists say that it's under the 13th Amendment uh, that people are being enslaved, that these people are slaves. This is neo-slavery. Um, it was an agreement between the North and the South to, to you know, allow the practice of slavery to continue under the guise of punishment for crime and and you know i'm sure you're a very well read woman and an attorney and so i'm pretty sure you know about the black codes and all of that type of stuff that was passed and how laws have been passed including drug war laws and in their application has been racist in, in, in nature and and so i mean i may have asked you this in the past but do you think that um, in your interpretation of the 13th Amendment of the United States Constitution, that uh, slavery still persists in a different form. It's a different form. So uh, it's a different form. Um, I mean, there's wage slavery, too. There's imprisonment as a form of slavery and wage slavery as a form of slavery, too. So um, and so when I when I say capitalist courts, I mean it even much more broadly than I think you're more than you're referring to it because basically the legal system is established to protect the interests of basically the rulers of the country with a financial main financial interest it's presented to protect property 
And um, in terms of how the criminal justice system works, which is part of the mass incarceration, is to basically lock up um, what the uh, system views as a disposable um, group of people. But aren't they um, a cheap labor source as well? Disposable and taking them out of the workforce, which there's no jobs for, or to use them as um, as battling rams against other parts of the workforce. So it's obviously racist. Um, and I mean, I would say, let me say this, my shorthand about the Civil War. The Civil War was not finished. It was not completed, mm-hmm. um, meaning that it, yes, it left uh, black uh, black people in a form of destitute uh, without equal rights, that the 13th Amendment um, did not do what it needed to be done. The 14th Amendment, and fifth, you know, was used um, basically to defend corporations, not just now, but in the post-Reconstruction period and through it, it was um it wasn't used as it was initially supposedly intended to, but to protect the interests of the growing capitalist imperialist class in the United States. So before you had this more recent decision um, that accepted, you know, corporations as people, that's what the, that's what the 14th Amendment was used for in the 1890s. Um, so. And even I, I agree with you, but I think it's even more, I, I, in my own opinion, um, and that the, the court system is not going to change unless there's a fundamental change in the entire way that the U.S. Um, system works. I um, had read in a press release that came from you came from you that a professor of law at, at a university had even wrote um, I mean I don't know if he submitted it to the judge as part of the case or you know he was weighing in with his opinion but um, he had wrote a piece uh, basically saying what the uh, uh, state of Pennsylvania is doing is absurd right right and he what he did this is a man who What's is his name? an emeritus professor um, who is recognized as a legal expert on legal ethics. Um, he's written a number of textbooks as well. Um, he's affiliated with Yale University and the University of Pennsylvania. He's known in Pennsylvania. He's recently been quoted about a number of the improprieties, again, as an understatement in the Pennsylvania Attorney General's office and in the courts recently. Um, and yes, and he reviewed all our legal papers. We submitted his opinion letter with the last filing we did just about a week and a half ago. And yes, and he says that um, he basically says that no part of my conduct um, uh, violated any of the core principles of uh, professional ethics, which is loyalty and confidentiality and what I'm happy you said, in litigation, zealous representation. And then he goes on to say, he said, I can understand, well understand that the Attorney General would not like to have to deal with your representation of Mr. Walker, but that is not a basis for revoking your pro hoc vici admission. And there, I believe, he was referring to uh, zealous advocacy for one's client and also that my political views, um, which are refracted through the legal work, I mean, they're they're not, don't come off and said in every legal paper there, but I am uh, motivated by an understanding that the courts are fundamentally corrupt and racist and class-driven and that the way to fight for justice for my client is to fight to expose that and to show and prove 
um, where it exists, which is pretty much all the time, that the prosecution has misrepresented um, the facts or, or withheld information that is helpful uh, to a client, to a defendant, and has misrepresented the case to a jury, all of which is, the, that's the violation, if you want to call it, of, of legal ethics, is that type of falsification to right. a jury. Right, right. And, and so Pre- President Obama made a statement yesterday, and we had played the clip uh, when he was signing, you know, the commutation for the 46 uh, victims of the drug drug war. But he said that, you know, there was a, he gave the indication that there was a lot of movement on the states to reform the system and, and you know, uh, let people out of prison and, and whatnot. And so, like, this was like, you know, him um being a part of that effort and i heard and i heard had read that he that's going to be his focus the last two years so my question to you is have you noticed because Corey's case is a representation of why they don't want to do any digging because of this corruption prosecutorial as well as you know collusion with the police we read the stories on this network about you know uh, technicians falsifying evidence and and so I mean have you seen that at, at the state level I don't, I don't know if you pay attention to it nationally or just there in the states where you practice but have you seen any kind of movement to uh, correct the injustice of these people who have been enslaved no I haven't I would say that there are exceptions that are made that are important, but I think that they are driven more by trying to whitewash mm-hmm. um, the uh, the way the the actual the level of corruption of the criminal justice system. So there have been there's a prosecutor in Brooklyn who is now reviewing uh, some of the 75 cases of a particular detective, and some of those people have been exonerated. But again, this is the tip of the iceberg mm-hmm. in a system that works in a way that I think it is accurate to describe it as a frame-up system. Uh, by the way it works, it's a frame-up system, and that it is um, more the exception than the rule that truly guilty people are convicted of the crimes that they have been arrested for. Um, in a due process fashion. And as you said from the beginning, most cases are not tried. The vast, vast, vast majority are not tried because people are coerced for economic reasons um, and uh, fear and everything to take pleas uh, rather than challenge um, challenge what they believe to be false um, charges against them. Or in the case of the drug war, the war on drugs, such out-of-proportion uh, you know, charges. Now, personally, or what I believe is that drugs should not be uh, illegal in any event. I mean, that these are things that should not, uh, should be legalized. There shouldn't be people in put in prison uh, on drug charges to begin with. So, um, so my answer is no, um, that there is not some drive to uh, reevaluate and to correct the errors. And in fact, in my experiences, which have been, oh, even though I'm from New York, I've had a lot of personal involvement in cases that come out of Pennsylvania, that in fact, everything that is done in Pennsylvania from the district attorneys and the attorney general's offices to fight tooth and nail 
um, against even, you know, court decisions that say a defendant has a right to receive evidence, uh, you know, from the prosecution mm-hmm. that shows that it's favorable evidence for them that might help them actually in fighting their case, not necessarily but having a trial in which they have the source, they have all the information. And in the case of Lorenzo Johnson, you had a federal court of appeals say that the evidence against him was insufficient to convict him. That's like a judicial acquittal. And this prosecution, in fact, the very same person who's bringing uh, this motion against me, so against Corey, uh, went and filed late in the U.S. Supreme Court to challenge that and won in the U.S. Supreme Court to reversing uh, the win that Lorenzo had and making law that now affects every single state prisoner in this country mm-hmm. in which if you want to, if you're alleging that the evidence after a trial was insufficient to convict you and you were illegally convicted by a jury that for reasons, you know, uh, some reasons, may of the prosecution's work, convicted you on no evidence, no legally binding evidence, that the federal courts cannot hear this because this is somehow of a undermining of the state's rights. And that brings me to another point about not finishing the Civil War. What we are going back to in every possible way is on the legal terrain is that the, uh, to the extent, to the extent that the uh, Bill of Rights became applied in the criminal justice systems, you know, your right to an attorney, your right to due process in the trial, your right to a jury of your peers, uh, the right to counsel of your choice, uh, the right to, you know, get evidence, uh, be told of evidence against you, that those things were um, applied and began through really the civil rights movement become applied to state prosecutions as all being reversed. And basically what Clinton did in part of that same, those same laws that, that created the war on drugs and the, the mass incarceration, what he wound up, what they did is they undermined the ability for the federal courts to review state convictions. Wow. And that has also led to all this. So the Clinton administration, the great Democrats, the supposed what was said at the time, the first black president in a lot of quarters, uh, Clinton, um, basically, um, created, um, pushed backwards, pushed backwards in the legal domain what had been won, um, you know, indirectly from the civil rights movement in terms of legal stuff. The damage has been enormous. I mean, considering uh, what he did as a, a governor of Arkansas and, you know, even yeah. using a, a Confederate flag on a campaign button, uh, honoring, I think he signed right. a law honoring uh, Robert E. Lee Day in Arkansas. I mean, was yeah, Robert I, R. Lee from right. Arkansas? I don't think so. I think he was from Virginia, right? And so that yeah. shows some dedication yeah. right there. So it should, what I'm trying to say is it should not have come unexpected. I don't see how people voting back then uh, didn't pick up on those hints of, of, you know, white supremacy. Well, people vote against their own interests all the time. That's Look true. At Obama, Obama basically has given people really what he promised. And he has not been good for poor people or black people, in my opinion. You know, he has he has expanded. Um, he has actually expanded the um, repressive powers of the government. 
uh, war abroad, you know, uh, the policies that have been in, implemented uh, nationally have been really horrific. And so, you know, I'm, you know, I'm glad to see that he has, you know, given commutation to 46 people who should have never had probably a day in prison um, by my, by my calculations. But this is just the tip of the iceberg. And, um, you know, for instance, you know, look at, I, I, as I start, I said, I represented and I'm friends with, um, you know, close friends with Mumia and his family, uh, Mumia Abu Jamal. And Obama's the guy that, uh, I mean, in addition to everything else, his main crime is not what I'm about to say, but he nominated somebody for, the head of the Civil Rights Division of the Justice Department, you know, uh, Debo Agdabili, and uh, his party and everybody else voted this man down because he had signed on one of the papers um, for uh, on Mumia's case. And, um, you know, but, but the point, the and part of Obama becoming, Obama is not opposed to capital punishment. He's not opposed to incarceration, mass incarceration. He's not for uh, giving a living wage to people or, you know, health care for everybody. I mean, this is, he's not. So he promised, he's given people basically what he promised if you actually read between the lines. All my way of saying, yes, Clinton, Clinton, people should have seen what happened to Clinton, but, you know, back, back then, when the war on drugs started, there were not very many people who were opposed to the expansion of the police, you know, across the country. Mumia was one of the few people that wrote about it. Well, I'm really there was speaking. A lot of support for it at the time. Well, I'm really speaking to um, so-called conscious black voters, you know, and other black leadership, or as we say internally, black misleadership, and and, and right. so all the signs were there. You know, that yes, this is a I person agree. that's going to reach across the aisle and work with racist suspects, right, you know, and, and so that's why I say he teamed up with the Republicans and it was the same way with Richard Nixon. He's a Republican president and he teamed up with a Democratic controlled Congress to create, you know, the DEA in the modern drug war. So, right. Well, that's why I, part of that, I don't support. Yeah, I don't support the Democratic Party, let alone the Republican Party, and whether or not those officials are black, purple, white, blue, or whatever, um, those politics and those policies are against, you know, black people, they're against working people, they're against poor people, and their policies of war and genocide. And, you know, and, you know, as I said, I mean, the Civil War was not sufficiently won. No, it can't it be over. One. It can't it be one. over. It was not, in other words, you know, slavery was formally abolished, which I think was a step forward for the United States, but it certainly did not end, um, as you said, in, in but, being indentured. But, Another form mm -hmm. of, of slavery didn't end wage slavery, and it certainly didn't lead to equal rights. But, Ms. Wonkerstein, uh, point, point, um, 13th Amendment never says it abolishes slavery. It has an exception clause. I mean, I mean, you know, technically, I, I don't... It has an exception clause for incarceration, which is sort of standard in any bourgeois country. I'm not trying to excuse it, but, you know, um, it wasn't going to get rid of incarceration. Um, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to... I'm just saying it's the nature of a of a bourgeois democratic 
thing. It abolished um, it abolished a form of slavery um, that was important to be abolished. Um, there is a difference, still, in my opinion, between being in prison and being um, born into slavery and not being able to and being treated as property. From, yeah, there's you know, a difference between birth. being born and those into are it. distinctions yeah. that are important in the world, but they don't end the struggle for freedom right. by any means. I would agree there. And so that's that's sort of where I come off in that, and I I think that the prisons exist to, you know, to lock up people for crimes that they should never be locked up for, uh, to frame up people, to keep people. Um, off the streets that they don't want. They took a whole generation of black men and they locked them up um, out of uh, fear of, you know, additional, uh, you know, civil rights movement, uh, social movements of all sorts, and also because there weren't jobs for people. And it was a way of basically locking people up and not worrying about a job market and providing other types of employment as people have made in prisons and prison guards and building prisons, et cetera, et cetera. Well, Ms. Wonkerstein, as we uh, get ready to wrap it up, um, what is uh, Corey's website? Doesn't his uh, supporters maintain a website? Yes, yes, and it's it's called uh, freecoreywalker.org. And I really encourage everybody to read what's on it and more information about the case and Corey's own statement and sign on to it so we can contact you. And also uh, anyone who can to call the uh, Attorney General's office in Pennsylvania, Kathleen Kane, or email them and say these charges should be dismissed against Corey Walker and they should stop trying to get rid of me as Corey's lawyer. Uh, the ramifications of them winning, um, if they should win, um, on this attempt to get me off have actually ramifications way beyond Corey, mm -hmm. the right for anyone who's a prisoner to get pro bono assistance from an out-of-state attorney, for prisoners to be able to choose their own attorney, and for somebody who is a, you know, uh, outspoken on the American criminal justice system to basically say that I have no right to practice law in Pennsylvania. And so the hearing is actually in two days, right? Yes, it's Thursday morning in Dauphin County, which is Harrisburg, um, in front of a, a new judge that we haven't been in front of yet. And, you know, the attorney general is pushing to remove me, and we've had to work to, you know, argue against that and file legal work and it was done in a way done to stop Corey from being able to fight for his case so the attorney general has never answered any of the hundreds of pages that we filed about the substance of his case has never answered any of the things that I've mentioned and there's lots more about the uh, corruption in the case the prosecutorial and police misconduct they haven't answered any of that well, all he's done is try to stop the works um, by taking, getting me off the case, and also involving us in uh, in in this uh, struggle uh, for Corey to have the lawyer that he wants. Well, I hope and, um, things go the way that that y'all plan that you will be able to remain on the case, and that at least there will be some justice in that regard. And I guess the fight will continue to what get Corey a new trial. Yes, that's what we're working for. Okay. Get him out. Okay. 20 years is too long. Well, thank you, Ms. Wilkenstein, for joining us today. And please, uh, uh, of course, I know you will send an update out once the hearing is over. And uh, we yes. 
and we certainly will uh, inform our listeners about it. So you have a good day, ma'am. You too, and thank you so much for great discussion and chance to let people know more about Corey's case and, and what's going on here. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Good day. All right, y'all, you're tuned in to Black Talk Radio News with Scotty Reed, broadcasting from behind these enemy lines of USA, Inc. But, um, yeah, the, what I was uh, saying earlier about the signs should have been there. If you're a black voter, you know, this you can't just be voting for people because of their skin color. What they what do they call that? You know, uh, identity politics, because it ain't that easy. All of these people do not practice justice. People practice justice or they practice injustice. And you can be rewarded for, you know, practicing injustice by this system. If you just go along with it, but the signs should have been there that Hillary Clinton, excuse me, well, Hillary Clinton will be if she's elected president. But Bill Clinton's presidency was, um, you know, hell for black people. Just hell for black people. But, you know, many of you, I've heard people say over the years where everybody had jobs, you know. I mean, I guess maybe you was one of them prison guard. You got one of them prison guard jobs as they cranked up. The prison plantation machine. So, but the sign should have been there. I mean, it's easy for me to say in hindsight, um, I was still in the military when he was um, elected president. I was still in the military, but there was no really black leaders. He had a whole lot of black people endorsing him. And we, you know, I guess the masses of the people, probably myself included, just you know took their word for it you know they vouching for this guy i'm you know i'm gonna vote for this guy i'm not gonna do my own research and then i would have seen that man he was pushing a confederate flag button on in pennsylvania or when he was governor of arkansas he declared robert e lee day they passed that and put it into law you know sporting a confederate flag and all, and, and, and all of that so it should be it shouldn't be any surprise in retrospect to see how much damage the clintons have done in terms of 21st century slavery and human trafficking. And I agree with Attorney Walkerstein. It is not a partisan thing for me. Republican, Democrat, wings are the same bird. Wings are the same bird. But I, I kind of dig what she was saying. I was feeling that vibe what she was talking about. You know, the Civil War ain't really been won. And that really should be evident and clear to people today. That's why... Now the NAACP and others, Black Lives Matter movement, uh, young, you know, white kids, have been attacking these symbols of white supremacy, pulling down flags and to cost the war, the Civil War, isn't over. It isn't. How can it be? When enemy, so-called enemy flag, you know, just all this confusion. This confusion, but we have to guide people through the confusion and say, yes, rally around, pulling down that flag. But did you know slavery was never abolished and the Civil War isn't actually over? So anyway, we're going to take a station identification break, play some message music. Then we will come back and I will inform you about some of these details. The Atlanta chapter of the NAACP calling for the, the removal of the white supremacist Confederate monument that it must be etched in stone on the side of this mountain, Stone Mountain Park, which 
Lots of black people pay work and pay taxes to maintain this symbol of white supremacy over them. I mean, that's just even personal self-respect. You know, you you should be not trying to pay for that. Well, give me an exemption. Okay, y'all don't want to remove um, the flag or whatever it is. You don't want to remove that. Well, give me um, an exemption, a tax exemption, because I don't think I should be paying for that. In fact, I know I shouldn't be paying for that. This is white supremacy. So they are talking about sandblasting. Now, I didn't think about that. I was talking about blowing up Mount Rushmore. But I guess you could sand, sandblast, you know, uh, the faces on Mount Rushmore to where they're just blank faces. And then we could let the kids, you know, do graffiti on it or something. I don't know. But there should be no monuments to vile, evil criminals. And there's no talking about heritage and there's no talking about well it was acceptable at that time no it wasn't acceptable at that time lots of people during that time said it said it was wrong to practice slavery and they fought against slavery so it is slavery's never been acceptable might have been uh, like right out in the open but now it is shrouded within these institutions because make no mistake the courthouses are the new slave blocks that they're auctioning you off when you're sitting on that stand next to that judge that's presiding over the proceedings they're about to you know the jury is deliberating are we going to send him into prison they about to auction you off man into slavery so we got to make those connections when we come back on the other side, I want to, I came across a podcast by Afro Synergy, Mr. T. West. He's been a guest on the program. We're going to have to have him back. But uh, we are starting to uh, add back their programming to the Black Talk Radio Network. But he had one, uh, he was talking about stop being divisive. That's what he was saying among black people. Stop being divisive. Stop being divisive, and I'm going to let you hear that. And he's talking about that Confederate flag and how people don't understand propaganda. They don't understand warfare. And really, you know, it is a wake-up call that we still at war. Except for it's mostly black people that's dying as, as casualties. Well, it's a lot of white people dying, too. Got to tell the truth about that. Killed by police, dot not, dot net. I see more white boys getting gunned down by police than anybody else. It's just that black men are, are killed disproportionate to their numbers. But make no mistake, a lot of them white people is getting it. They killing each other, man. It's a civil war still going on. And it all has to do with slavery. It has to do with slavery in so many different forms. But primarily, we focus on the form of, you know, the 13th Amendment. Private prisons, Wall Street, slave trading still going on in 2015. No, slavery still exists. It's just through the prisons. They throw you in prison. They either make money warehousing your body or they're making you work. For, you know, I was reading an article the other day. Think, you know, these guys was making something like 27 cents an hour. Now, those are real slave wages right there. Minimum wage, I don't, I don't call that. $15 an hour, even $7 an hour, something like that, because you have a choice to quit. 
you don't have to work. But see, we know that them, if, if prisoners on these plantations say they don't want to work and they do a work stoppage, what happens? They pull out, you know, the riot control units on them. Bring the dogs in. That's slavery. You force them. They don't have a choice. And they're being farmed out to to literal farms. And uh, my little brother worked on a turkey farm when they wrongfully convicted him. So these, man, this is slavery. And I tend, that's how I view it. It's nothing less. So we'll be back on the other side. Remember the, the telephone numbers, the conference line, 530-881-1400. The participant code is 549032-POUND. I deal with so many of these codes. Let me make sure that's correct. 549032-POUND. Hit star six and one to come in on air. You can use the web-based flash phone as well and when we come back we'll open up the studio line 704-951-5030 stay tuned we'll be right back Texas, you are invited to the Sundiata Coley Shaka Sankofa Community Garden on the first Saturday of the month up until September to learn gardening skills from the head gardener and build together with the community. They are looking for people to come out ready to work and get their hands dirty. You do not have to have any experience in gardening. All food grown from the garden is available to the community. The garden was named after Sundiata Akoli, who is a political prisoner that has been enslaved for more than 40 years, and comrade in struggle, Shaka Sankofa, who was killed June 22, 2000. Sundiata, when asked what we can do in support of the political prisoner, said, build a garden. We must be able to do for self in the name of self-determination. The garden is located at 2428 sophomore in Houston, Texas. Again, come out on the first of every month starting around 7 o'clock a.m. If you have an event that is free and open to the public and want to announce it on Black Talk Radio, send an email to admin at blacktalkradionetwork.com To serve a person Great things and beatings Suffering and worsening Black human packages Tied up in strings Black wages come from all these kinds of things. Black race founded on blatant denial. Street economics, subsistence survival, deafening silence, and social control. Black wages founded on wounds in the soul. 
Century, and we need to redefine revolution. This planet needs people's revolution, a humanist revolution. Revolution is not about bloodshed or about going to the mountains and fighting. We'll fight if we are forced to. But the fundamental goal of revolution must be peace. Oh. 
destruction. Weapons of the system. We need to change ourselves. We have got to make this world user-friendly. User-friendly. Are you ready to sacrifice to end world hunger? Talk Radio Network. For live programming schedules, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. And welcome back. You're listening to Black Talk Radio News on the Black Talk Radio Network. Coming up here at 6 o'clock will be Tando Radio Show. Uh, but before I continue on with, with the program, uh, with this first story, NAACP, wants removal of Confederate generals from the side of Stone Mountain. And like they said, we can sandblast that bad boy uh, if need be. But Stone Mountain obviously is a uh, taxpayer-funded park. All right, they probably get federal funds as well. But again, how can the Civil War be over if uh, there are monuments erected to these white supremacists that black people are forced to, you know, subsidize? with their money so uh but before we get into that um just want to uh um say on air that one of our donors longtime supporter of black talk radio network actually followed us from blog talk radio uh, when we escaped from that plantation and established the independent media platform for black people uh herbert spleed uh some of you may have known him as ed lips on blog talk radio but he was a uh Long-time supporter of the network and um, a regular donor on a monthly basis. And he passed away uh, recently, uh, actually in March. And I got an email from his sister the other day um, saying that he had had, uh, passed away suddenly. So rest in peace to Mr. Spleed. His contributions to supporting this independent black media platform were were, uh, much appreciated. All right. And um, 
Now, on on the subject of our 2015 fundraiser, just want to uh, say thank you to a new fundraiser, um, a donor, I should say, new donor, Miss Major. Thank you for your contribution to the Black Talk Media Project and helping us continue in our work at creating, uh, developing, producing, broadcasting. Um, and, you know, really elevating independent black media. And it's only made po- made possible by donors. Most of our operating budget comes from donors. Doesn't come from any kind of Google ads or anything like that. Doesn't come from advertisers because you're not going to hear the major corporations advertised on this show. Even if Coca-Cola wanted to uh, do an ad by on the Black Talk Radio Network, we would not accept it because uh, Coca-Cola is unhealthy. And so we have this network has principles. And so uh, that's why you don't hear a lot of the corporate products being um, their advertisement being run on this network. We are a public, publicly funded network. And so therefore we have independence and we have full control over our voices. And there is no censorship here. There is no political correctness here. No, we uh, try to speak honestly and focus on issues that we think is important, primarily the global system of racism and white white supremacy. So um, the Atlanta chapter of the NAACP wants this flag removed. I'm going to see if I can play this, play this video. Not flag, I'm sorry. But it is actually a monument to Confederate generals that have been carved into the side of this mountain at uh, Stone Mountain in Georgia. And so the Atlanta chapter of the NAACP wants it gone. So we'll see if we could queue up this video. It might uh, roll a commercial, but we'll try it. Now, this comes on the heels of the removal of the Confederate battle flag, of course, we know from the South Carolina State House. Started my camera. Okay, Picked up someone I hadn't seen in far too long. So just right quick. Y'all excuse me. Let that that message uh, go, and we'll get this report on the Atlanta chapter of the NAACP. Now, I haven't really heard um, I really haven't heard anything from like the national NAACP, except for they said, you know, these churches need to take precautions because of all these churches, black churches, being burnt down. But in terms of a position, a unified position, it's I, I haven't heard anything. Not saying they haven't issued anything, I just haven't heard it. So uh, here's that report. At 5 late this afternoon, the Atlanta chapter of the NAACP officially called for the elimination of all symbols of the Confederacy from Stone Mountain. This comes on the heels of the removal of the Confederate battle flag from the South Carolina State House. Channel 2's Barrett Peterson is live at Stone Mountain Park. He just spoke with the president of the local branch, Barrett. NAACP's Richard Rose says the time to move is now in light of what happened in South Carolina, but he admits it may be a steep slope to climb. This group of children from Cobb County just wrapped up a day of fun at Stone Mountain. Yolanda Shackelford was their chaperone. When I'm out here, and I have to be honest, when I'm out here enjoying Stone Mountain, I'm thinking about what it has to offer for what I'm coming for. But the Atlanta chapter of the NAACP has a much more serious point of view. The organization issued this statement calling for the removal of all symbols of the Confederacy from this park. My tax dollars should not be used to commemorate slavery. 
Branch President Richard Rose says his group wants Confederate symbols removed from all state-owned buildings, parks, and lands. And he would start with Jefferson Davis, Robert E. Lee, and Stonewall Jackson. Those guys need to go. They can be sandblasted off or they can, somebody can carefully remove a slab of that and auction off to the highest bidder. Yolanda Shackelford is all for a discussion, as long as it's not based on emotion. Because we have to look at history. We have to look at how it's affecting all people. And that's my view. As you can see, we are an organization of many faces, and so we always want to consider our total community. And Yolanda Shackelford wanted to make it clear she speaks for herself, not for the community she works for that set up the field trip out here today. Meantime, a spokesman for Stone Martin Park says any removal of Confederate flags or monuments out here is up to the Georgia legislature. We're in live Stone Mountain. Baron Peterson, Channel 2 Action News. All right, so you heard the, black, the black woman there being noncommittal. She was, was like, I'm not trying to offend anybody. As you can see, I got many clients that are also white, and I don't know if they are white supremacists. Uh, I don't know if they supported it, uh, the Confederacy and for all it stood. Uh, we, uh, you know, I don't know all of that, but uh, I'm going to stay neutral because I still need to put dollars in my pocket. But, I mean, the allegation that she was making that, you know, the uh, chapter president was being uh, emotional. He's not being emotional. Uh, he was totally calm, totally logical, and that, you know, black people shouldn't have to be paying for it. Nobody, anybody... Who knows what that those monuments represent? If they have a problem with paying for that, then it needs to go. This isn't like no history thing. We don't need monuments, which are places of of honor, right? Can we? What's the definition of monument, right? When you build a monument, you are honoring somebody. And so, when these children, all those little children that was in that video that you couldn't see. Those little black children. I mean, what do you tell them? Why is he being honored? Who is that on the side of that mountain? Well, that was Robert E. Lee and, and these other generals who fought about 150 years ago to keep you, your ancestors enslaved and to subjugate you, your ancestors, to all manner of terrorism for over 150 years and counting and counting. So, I mean, what, what do you say? Well, why does he get, uh, uh, you know, his face up there? Why is that? Is that honorable? Is that honorable? That's what a monument is, right? A place of honor. So, I mean, it's just so incorrect and it spreads so much confusion about justice and injustice. That's injustice. That's unjust to honor people who fought. And committed many crimes against humanity. Slavery itself is a crime against humanity. So I'm, I, yeah, it would be a tough mountain. No, you know, pun intended. A tough mountain to climb in the Georgia legislature. But maybe that's how you get those Obama voters, those young voters who are disillusioned because Obama was a fraud. He he brought no hope and no change. Not any change for the good, not really an overall scheme of things, that, but they still want to be part of something. They still want, maybe they want to run for office. And so, you know, that's what they want to do. Galvanize them around these issues like that. 
and then point to them how Georgia still practices slavery today. That is, you know, we're removing these symbols because, you know, it's incorrect for any society to honor these these criminals. But then we also have to work on it, their other legacy, and that is modern-day slavery and human trafficking and the disenfranchisement of non-white people. They're all connected. So, But anyway, I want to let people listen to uh, what T. West had to say. This Actually, he put this out about a week or so ago. But I'm hearing some of the same things that we've been saying you know, on, on this network. I heard from uh, the NAACP uh, chapter president auction it off. Didn't I say that, you know, about the bronze monument that's worth about five million dollars in Memphis. And they, you know, voted the city, voted city council and mayor, you know, they uh, removing the bones of Nathan Bedford Forrest, the founder of the Klan, vicious white supremacist, African uh, enslaved African trader who had a burial plot free of charge on a in a city park where all these white supremacists every year make an annual pilgrimage to his bones. So they evicted him, and now they're trying to figure out, well, what to do with the statue. I said, melt that bad boy down into a big giant square, cut little two-inch by two-inch slabs off of that, and then auction it off. If these white supremacists feel so strongly about, you know, these sort of things, they could drill a hole in it, wear it around their necks, whatever. But you raise that money and then, you know, you provide services for other citizens. They do the same thing with, with Stone Mountain. Like the uh, chapter president said, cut it in slabs <laughs> and auction it off. Let these white people go to gun, go fund me and raise a billion dollars total, you know, to get pieces of this slab. And maybe they can put their pieces together. And recreate it on private land if that's what they want to do. But yeah, we'll take that billion dollars and we'll fund schools and and give it to people to divert it to programs that's going to help people who need the most help. I know that's wishful thinking on my part, but I mean it's total logic. It's logic in terms of if we were going to practice justice, this is what will happen. So he's not being emotional, woman. Come on, black woman. He's not being emotional. But I understand you on the spot, you in front of the camera, and it looked like, you know, at least a third of your clientele was racist suspects. So I didn't, I don't expect you to say anything more, you know, because obviously, you know, keeping whatever material things you got is, is more important than speaking truth. So anyway, yeah, let's pull up this clip. This is T. West. Because he says some of the same things when I did a program on propaganda and warfare, how it, warfare and propaganda, how it relates. And T. West um, had did something similar, and he was saying to these people, black people, we don't we don't care what the racist suspects and white supremacists have to say, but other black people trying to minimize these efforts when they should be supporting the efforts or at least remaining neutral. Don't say nothing at all. You know, if you can't support it, then don't say nothing. Or you can support it and then divert those people's attention to the real slavery or whatever it is that, you know, you think needs to be focused on. They need to be refocused on after, you know, 
they get done pulling down the monuments and the flags and whatnot. So anyway, this is Mr. T. West, Afro Synergy News. Uh, you can look them up on YouTube. You can subscribe to their channel. I do. And um, yeah, so this is him talking about it. Good afternoon. This program would be about the Confederate flag, the flag that flies in the front of the Capitol. Actually, it's outside one of the buildings, one of the state buildings there in South Carolina. It used to fly on top of the state capitol building there in South Carolina. But why that flag must come down and why that flag is going to come down. Now to have an understanding of that and the importance of a flag, you need to understand about nations and about war and about the symbolism within flags. You heard some blacks, including the minister, Louis Farrakhan, talking about, well, what about the Stars and Stripes, the American flag? It also represents racial hatred. Well, there is racial hatred within the American government. That is true. Now, of course, that is not true within all levels of the government, meaning members of that government. And it should not be compared to the Confederate flag. Why? Because the United States has not been defeated. The Confederate South was defeated. Historically, in war, in battle, Countries march, their soldiers march into battle with their flags. You will see these flags on the color, even the uniforms of soldiers. Not only soldiers, but even police forces across America. You will see that flag. Not the Confederate flag I'm talking about, but the American flag. You will see it on automobiles, police automobiles. You will see it representing that nation. Again, the United States has not been defeated. The Confederate South was defeated. When a nation is defeated, their flag comes down. The Confederate states, such as South Carolina, is still flying that flag. It didn't always fly that flag. It was in 1861 when they first started flying that flag because they had set themselves up as a nation against what was called the Union States, the United States. And in 1960s, in the 1960s, well, after they were defeated, first of all, in the Civil War, the Confederate flag was put away. It was brought down, as is customary when a nation is defeated. And the Confederates 
were a nation unto itself. That briefly, they were defeated. That flag came down. Now there is no question about what it represents. It represented the institution of inhumanity, of enslavement of black people. That is what it represented. And there are many Confederate leaders in the 1860s who reflect that in their words. Now, it wasn't until the 1960s when that flag came back. It was removed. Then a hundred years later, it comes back. It comes back during the Civil Rights Movement, where blacks are once again struggling and fighting for their rights here in the United States of America. So when individuals start talking about, well, it's not, the flag is not important, and these are some of you black folks, that's nonsense. Nonsense. Flags are historically important, especially in the time of war. When you're defeated, once again, your flag comes down. The South was defeated. Their flag have no business flying on any public property anywhere in this country. They are defeated people. Their ideology was defeated, even though it is alive and well in many states across America, in South Carolina. And it doesn't matter if a state or a group show their racism openly or show it or don't show it, and they covertly engender such racial hatred. But the flag must come down. And any of you who start or attempt to try to associate it with the American flag, the Stars and Stripes, you are distorting the situation. And you need to get back on page, get back on message, and focus on this. Black people need to organize around a few things. This is one of them. This is a symbolism that you need to organize around and against, not sow the seed of division, not say things simply because rhetorically it might sound good to your ears. But you need to be unified on this. You must be unified on this. Because this is war. These people lost. And when they lost in 1865, that flag was removed. It was put away. It did not come back publicly until the 1960s. So I really don't want to hear any more talk about this Confederate flag. It must go, and it shall go. Dylan Roof, he supported that flag. You see him supporting and waving that flag. And in converse, in contrast to that, you see him burning the stars and stripes. So there is some ideology that is clashing right there. Clearly. There are some things that he don't like about the American flag. And it's important for each one of you to distinguish that flag 
from the Confederate flag. This is something, once again, that each one of you can be organized about, can be a unity about. So don't distort this fight to get rid of the Confederate flag. Because those who love the ideology behind that flag, they are standing up for it, they are marching for it, and they're standing against you. Now don't be a coward. That black woman, Bray, who went out there, climbed that pole, and took that flag down while a pale-skinned gentleman was on the ground watching out for her, that was courage. In South Carolina, every day, there should be a line of you who go out and climb that pole, take that flag down. They arrest you. The very next day, a new person does the same thing. Organization. Organize yourself. Take it down. Because this is symbolism. And it's symbolism that is strongly related to war. This is T. West with Afrocentric. Black Talk Radio News, Scotty Reed in for this broadcast behind USA Inc. And, you know, one of the things that really clicked that he said about the American flag and about why we can't even talk about pulling it down right now, even though, you know, we know that far more people were oppressed, brutalized, murdered, raped under, under that flag. Well, that corporation hasn't been defeated yet. You're not in a position. You're not even organized. You, some of you can't even unify around finishing off the confederacy so i mean it's premature to even talk about pulling down the american flag and introducing that into you know a debate among black people is to spread confusion sow seeds of division and and prevent unification around not just when he said the way i interpreted when he said organize around that flag all the related issues around it that represents you know that flag represents racism and white supremacy so you organize around it point out to the young people or whoever wants to step up and get involved all the different way. Hey, this is just a unity building exercise, even though it is right and, and just for us to organize pulling down these symbols from white of white supremacy from our public squares because we have too much dignity to continue to pay for their maintenance and all of this, and we're gonna practice self-respect in the utmost at all times. But then once you know we have unified around that issue, then let's tackle. The racism that is in these buildings that, you know, these monuments and flags have been flying over or sit in front of, barring, you know, justice. So, again, you know, I, I fully support um, the efforts of the Atlanta NAACP chapter branch of saying if we need to, we can sandblast that bad boy. But, I mean, they have a legitimate logical argument something to organize people around and then once you organize more masses then you tackle the other issues and all the other areas of people activity 
So it's short-sighted, you know, to think that these symbols don't mean something because they mean a lot to these white supremacists. Matter of fact, coming up here on um, what June 18th is when the Ku Klux Klan is going to rally, I guess, at the former flagpole of the Confederacy on South Carolina State House Capitol grounds. The flag is gone, but they're going to meet there anyway and bring their own flags. And they will be a, a counter-protest with the New Black Panther Party affiliated groups who will be there to stage counter-protests to form a counter-formation. So Max Parthas will be coming on on the 16th. Uh, of course, y'all know Max, new abolitionist radio host and producer, uh, new abolitionist out there on the road spreading the message of abolition, and he's helping to organize uh, some of that. The counter protests, the counter formations to these formations of confirmed white supremacists. So, looking forward to speaking to Max. Uh, that will be when Thursday. Yeah, the 16th is on a Thursday, and uh, yeah, looking forward to, to talking about that. And because they're calling on people to, if you can make it come on down and we also will be doing a field report we'll get Max to call in from the ground uh, in the middle of the protest giving us um, a report for those Black Talk Radio Network listeners who are unable to attend the counter protest on the 18th now um, the Georgia NAACP or the Atlanta chapter isn't the only one who was taking on these uh, symbols? It uh, the Huntsville chapter in Alabama is doing the same thing. And let me see if I can get this. Uh, the racist uh, white supremacists that run Breitbart, uh, that website Breitbart.com, named after you know the uh, white supremacists who really worked hard in media propaganda, and the site continues to bear its name. They're already on the story about now. Uh, you know, this chapter wants to remove the Confederate emblem from the uniforms of the Alabama state troopers. So I stand corrected. I said on this program that there were no cops out there running around with Confederate flags on the side as patches on their uniforms. And I, I was wrong. I was wrong. I had not done my proper research. And, you know, but luckily... We had a black person, the Reverend Robert L. Shanklin, stepped up to the plate and he said, hey, Alabama State Troopers got that flag on, on their uniforms and on the side of their cars. And that is just so, so incorrect. So incorrect. Let me see if I can find They're linking to the video. They didn't post the video. We'll see if we can get this uh, to play. This uh, actually was a story that came out yesterday, WAFF is reporting out of Huntsville, Alabama, said it's not hard to find a Confederate flag flying in Alabama, but it may surprise you some of the places you'll find it. So I don't live in Alabama. I don't travel all over North Carolina, but I know here in Gaston County, I haven't been seeing it all over the place. And that's, that's a good thing, I suppose. But in Alabama, apparently, that's still a thing that's in fashion is to sport the terrorist flag on T-shirts. And I imagine since they 
you know, remove the flag from General Lee to car on Deuce of Hazard that these racist suspects and will confirm themselves as white supremacists as they slap that flag on the roof of their cars. <laughs> yeah, I can see that happening. So apparently in Alabama, it's everywhere, including on the side of the state trooper car that's pulling you over because you was driving while black. About to arrest you on some nonviolent drug offense and put you in the 21st century slavery and human trafficking. It's on it's on his uniform, on his patch. Let's see if we can get this uh, clip to play. Get this report from W A F F. The camaraderie, pretty much everything. All right, let's let's see. If we can get it here. But tonight, the NAACP in Huntsville says it's going to launch a fight to remove the Confederate flag from all local and state property. They want to start with the Alabama State Troopers. If you take a close look at their cruisers and a patch they wear on their uniform, you'll find that flag. WFF40's Tiani Jones is live now with a fight that's going to have to go all the way to the governor's office. Tiani? Well, Mark, you sure can find that flag on every single state trooper car like this one behind me. If you've never noticed it, take a closer look. We have video of it. Now, on every Mark state trooper SUV or car, you'll find that flag. You'll also find the flag on a patch that every uniformed trooper wears. Well, the Huntsville NAACP says it's time for it to go, and they plan on taking their fight to Montgomery. It's going to take the governor and a lot of money to make any changes. We spoke to the president of the NAACP who says now is the perfect time to spark this movement. Time is right. And I just think it needs to be, we need to do a clean sweep. Uh, the uh, state and local government, anywhere that that's located, now, state troopers say they are aware of this controversy, but there's really nothing that they can do about this. Again, this does have to go to the governor's office to make a change. And the NAACP says they do plan on taking this fight to the governor, and they plan on making sure that he makes this change. Reporting live in Huntsville, Tiani Jones, WAFF 48 News. All right, so you heard that report from Huntsville, Alabama. The Rev there's doing the right thing, saying, let's make Tonight, a clean sweep. Yeah, he said, let's make a clean sweep. Get all these racist white supremacists that y'all got hidden in, in open spaces, hiding it down there on the bottom of your little shield and whatnot. See, we it's right there in our faces, man. And a lot of times we don't even see it. I mean, just think about it. I'm sure there are some black Alabama state troopers running around with their Confederate flag on them. Man, come on. I wonder if they knew if they knew it. I wonder how they felt about that. I know how I feel about, you know, the uniform I used to wear with the uh, not only the patches of the units I belong to, but also the American flag. Now, I know what I was engaged in was incorrect and whatnot. So I wonder how they made them black troopers feel when they got to put on their uniform. Got that terrorist flag on it. But yet, you you know, you can't do nothing about it. So, I mean, tell you, man, black people have to deal with racism on every level, psychologically, emotionally, physically. Man, it's a constant struggle. No wonder so many of our people got post-traumatic stress disorder. It's an ongoing problem. Uh, in, in our uh, community. So, uh, you know, I wholeheartedly support that. How is that not logical? Black people pay taxes, don't they? So shouldn't they have a say? 
and just the incorrectness of a terrorist symbol that represents uh, slavery being a part of official state, you know, institutions. So I do believe now is the time, like the good reverend said, to organize the second in, in, intifada, the second civil war. Let's let's finish what the ancestors did not finish. Then we will take on the, the corporation known as USA Inc. Like T. West said, Brother T. West, our elder said, they haven't been defeated. So, you know, let's practice in, in, in stomping out the rest of the Confederacy. And then we'll see where we are then in terms of our organization and see if we can bring some justice to this land. Which could result in the, you know, dissolving of this corporation and we start over from scratch. Because, you know, if you start off with a rotten core, you know, it's, man, you know, you might as well just throw it all out. Because it's going to be poison to the core. So you got to start over. You got to start from scratch. Certainly, you know. Living in a system based on racism and, and such open white supremacy, if you're paying attention, you know, man, like Max said, abolition is a reason for revolution so that we can finally know peace. Yeah, I, I, I quoted you, Max. Again, Max be on the network. Uh, well, actually, he'll be on air Wednesday night, 8 o'clock, New Abolitionist Radio. Then again, uh, Thursday, he'll be joining me here on Black Talk Radio News at 410 to to um, help promote and get people to do a counter protest in confronting white supremacy and white supremacists in South Carolina. Again, got to stamp out white supremacy in every form. All right, so uh, Tando Radio Show is coming up here. Uh, We're going to wrap up Black Talk Radio. We do have a guest tomorrow. Let me look at the calendar while I'm in it. Uh, we will be speaking with Jimmy Davies about every black event. You can check out everyblackevent.com. It is, a, I think, a, a great tool to find out information about what's happening among black people uh, to do, you know, economically, to do business, to support businesses and, and whatever they're doing but also a way to rally and organize around, you know, local things. So you can post it for free at everyblackevent.com. I checked out the website uh, the other day, and, you know, it's looking good. You know, they just launched it, I believe, this year. So we will be talking with him tomorrow, Mr. Jimmy Davies, one of the founders of Every Black Event. Check him out on the web at everyblackevent.com. All right, that wraps up the program. Recognize the fact that you live behind enemy lines. That it's a battlefield out there. Casualties are being created every day. And that this is war. This is war for fair people. This is war. And so, you know, once you recognize that, then we can work on coming up with strategies to end this war. Because white supremacy is war on all non-white life. And so you recognize we're in the war. Get in where you fit in. Need people of all different talents and skills and whatnot. Get in where you fit in. 
where you can best provide support if you are not able to be out on the front lines. So get in where you fit in, recognize that we're at war, develop battlefield awareness so that you don't become a casualty. And then we reading about you on killbypolice.net. Peace and blessings to all. This is Scotty signing out. Annual Liberated Minds Black Homeschool and Education Expo kicks off on July 17th through the 19th in Atlanta, Georgia. The Liberated Minds Black Homeschool and Education Expo was established in 2012 by Roots to Fruits and the Liberated Minds Black Homeschool and Education Association for the strong purpose of providing quality culturally based resources, educational training, and support to black African homeschooling, non-homeschooling parents, and educators alike. This work is to assist in the cultivation of excellence and empowerment of our black children. The Expo also provides a thriving outlet and platform for small black independent businesses that specialize in retailing and or creating culturally conscious products and or services for the development of our youth. For more information on the Liberated Minds Black Homeschool and Education Expo that will be occurring during the weekend of July 17th through the 19th in Atlanta, go to liberatedmindsexpo.com. Whatever we do, we survive. Drop it! With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.